Hello and welcome to The Vivifier, a podcast on sobriety, faith, and love. We rise, we rise together. My name is Krista Garcia and thanks for joining me. So at first I want to start with a great big thank you to all of my subscribers, to my patrons for being so patient. I have had the flu for a while and I've been dealing with technology issues. So it's been over a month since I've made a podcast. So thank you so much for staying tuned and for your patience and for your support. So today I want to talk about, can you see the crown on their head? And this is something that came to me. I, I have this app called the Bible app. It's a, it's um on Bible plans and it's called the U version. It's called Uversion. So I don't know if you've heard of it. It's amazing. And what it does is it has these personalized plans or these these plans that are based on specific topics. So you can go to the plan section, you can click on find plans and put a search and you can put any topic that you're interested in looking up. If it's anxiety or love or dealing with anger or grieving or just the daily stuff, you know, like integrity or just just anything. And there will be amazing plans that come up. So today I was reading this plan called Boundaries for Your Soul. And it's so amazing. And what I love about these plans is they really just touch on some incredible topics. And they're created by people who are also often sharing their personal stories. And all of this comes from people's personal journeys. And so this is amazing. Uh, Boundaries for your soul. Just really, really awesome. And so I I was, I was reading this. And at the, at the end of this plan, I had the final piece today. Like in the morning, the first thing I do is... I thank God for being alive. And also I read the Bible plan first because that's how I want to start my day. It's kind of, it's part of my self-care and part of my dedication to, you know, my faith. So I was reading this and I just started to cry because there's this part where she says, or they say, I think it's a couple of them. Um, yes. It's by... Christian counselors, Alison Cook and Kimberly Miller. So they talk about how, you know, you're just giving up your, like, all these things you're holding on to and just allowing yourself to see yourself through God's eyes. I just started crying because I could see how it just experience and feel and, and see, you know, what was going on. Like I, this always brings me into like, a meditation type of space and and I could see myself and I could see how God sees me and it just I just started crying because it's so moving and it's so confronting to every part of my humanity to be seen with such love and to be seen in such a way and in that view I could see myself I had a crown on my head and then everybody around me had a crown on my head. Now, this is something that's always been very personally important to me and and something that I've always thought about even before I returned to the church, but it's also been exemplified by returning to the church as well, is that we're all royalty, that we are all sovereign, that, that our royalty is our sovereignty, you know, and that we have this innate royalty, every single one of us. And it just made me start crying because I started to think of, you know, 
a homeless person on the street wearing that crown on their head, the crown that most of us can't see, uh, you know, the crown that, you know, and these the people who are struggling with, with addictions, people who are struggling with, with loss, people who are struggling, who are struggling, who are just struggling, you know, and dealing with perhaps mental health issues that, you know, and just feeling so alone and people who are suicidal and everybody and people who are living their life in joy as well. Just everybody has this crown on their head. And I, I like to imagine it as everybody has a very unique crown, yet everybody has a crown. And we all be- belong to this royalty. We're all royals, you know, and, and it's it's just interesting how we get very excited by, or you know, the, the conversations of human royalty, which is cool. I, I love I love the conversations. I, you know, I, li- I like hearing about you know, Queen Elizabeth and all of this. I, I think it's pretty cool. And also, what if we saw everyone like that? Like, what if we got so excited as as much as excited as we see royalty or famous people or any of that? Because at the end of the day, we're all human and we all still are connected. We all still come from the same, you know, in, in, the hum- in this very human world itself and in the world we may not be seen as royals we may not be royals but the reality is spiritually i believe we are all royals we are and and so innately we have this royalty that we're all born with that nobody can touch that nobody can take away that nobody can grant besides a higher power and so that just really it really moved me and i struggle with this i struggle with this and i'm sure i'll struggle with this till the day i die because i am a human being however it's something that i keep trying to remember and and it doesn't mean that i use this to bypass if someone's hurting me or or if i'm in a dangerous situation no i can you know keep myself safe just keep distance when i need to and take my time to have compassion for myself first. Otherwise it's bypassing and pretending nothing's happening. And so with that self-compassion, as time goes on and with distance and, and health and healing, I can remember who that person is and have compassion for them while also having compassion for myself and keeping healthy boundaries and keeping myself safe. So it's been, so I, I just, I was just really moved by this and yeah, there's this, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 22, and it, it says, in fact, we cannot get along without the parts of the body that seem to be the weakest. So for me, this 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 has a, a two-part experience. So for one, for me, like my own personal, my shadow side, my looking at the parts of me that I don't like, or I think could be better or that are in conflict with my inner perfectionist and just reminding myself that every part of myself has, has its purpose and, and has something deep within to show me who I truly am, to show me the love I am. If I can find compassion for that part of myself, but if I treat that part of myself, like the devil, if I treat that part of myself, like, something evil or wrong. It doesn't mean having compassion and embracing that part of myself doesn't mean I allow it to lead the show. In fact, the opposite. When I chastise the parts of myself, they actually do lead the show. 
like for instance, my, my inner addict, I'm, I'm an addict, I'm an addict in recovery. And so if I shame the part of me that's an addict, then the addict gets to run loose and run free. Cause it's like, Oh yeah, well I'll show you, you know, <laughs> like the, the shadow side gets stronger because really every part of me just wants to be loved. And every part of me is love, even if it's forgotten itself, or even if it's, it's trying to assert itself and hide itself. And for me personally, I believe that that's a part of me. That's my hurt inner child that doesn't know how to translate things without inner parenting. And so it acts out and it has its tantrums and it's very dangerous. And so if I love and accept those parts of myself and I, I, it's not so easy. I can't always love and accept every part of myself, but if I continue to be gentle with myself and allow it slowly to, you know, to love those parts of myself and then the real authenticity in those parts show themselves, which is pure, pure love and big love. So that's, that's a part of where here in Corinthians, it says, in fact, we cannot get along without the parts of the body that seem to be weakest. That's one part of that interpretation for me. What that also means for me too, is in humanity itself, whoever I'm judging as the weakest part of humanity, those are the most important people. You know, I, what, what part of the, like, for instance, our pinky, or a tiny little pinky toe, tiny little pinky toe can't hold the weight of the entire body on itself. Yet without that pinky toe, there is no balance. So that, that really, that really makes me think, you know, without that tiny little pinky toe, the whole balance of the body gets thrown off. So even the people that I may judge as the weakest people in the world are the, are super vital to society. I mean, I, don't see anybody that it judges that, but if, if I do subconsciously or if as a society we do, it's, yeah, it, it, we're all important. We all are part of the entire body that is the human existence, that is humanity. I'm sure I'm judging someone as weak. I, I may not be conscious of it, but I, I am human, so I'm sure there's judgment there. <laughs> so I'm not even going to lie or pretend like, you know, I may not be aware, but I'm sure I do. And even if the judgment isn't a vicious judgment, just a, a critical thinking, because I think people are also afraid of the term judgment because they're, they're, judgment's intense and judgment can kill. Actually, judgment is so devastating that it can kill. But there is also the part of judgment that is critical thinking. And we do that every day. So critical thinking is like, oh, well, my socks are dirty. I need to wash them. <laughs> critical thinking is important. It's an important part of human survival. Critical thinking is, okay, the, I can't cross the street right now or I will die. So critical thinking is an important part of survival. However, when critical thinking just goes straight into judgment, like deep judgment to the point of just completely wanting to just hate people for just being who they are, that's when it becomes dangerous and that's when it becomes deadly. And that's when it really just shuts me off from my own heart. And so I do challenge that. However, critical thinking is important and judgment, that type of judgment is important when it comes to also keeping myself safe, establishing healthy boundaries, and making sure I'm not allowing myself to be abused or being hurt or any of those things. So critical thinking and judgment is actually, judgment is important. Judgment is important because we need it to survive. It's not, you know, 
but there is judgment that is actually just downright danger, downright dangerous. So I would say, I, I would even go as far as to say as judgment, which is important and healthy and judgment, which is the shadow side of judgment, which is just downright nasty and, and ostracizing and dangerous. So in making this podcast, and this is a podcast on sobriety, faith, and love, and quite frankly, I often get nervous before I, well, actually every single time so far that I'm about to make a podcast, I get nervous because here I am talking about sobriety, faith, and love, and I do this because I need this. This is a purely selfish basis because I need this conversation of sobriety, faith, and love to keep me on my journey of sobriety and faith and love. So this podcast is for me and it's a freedom and it is a discovery constantly just and, and an expression of my authenticity. However, I do get nervous because I'm like, okay, you know, I, I've been away from the church. I'm a Roman Catholic and I've been away from the Catholic church for and churches for like 20 years you know i mean i would pop into churches and do some church hopping which i still like to do i like to church hop and go to different churches and and explore and hear the different experiences and, and temples and hear the different ways of god's word being shared and our church has an interfaith group which is really cool and i have to actually find out more about that because i keep saying like oh i want to hear about it so anyway but to me, I'm like, okay, well, who am I to be speaking on faith? Like, I, I've only been back to the church. This Easter will be, and this is a new church for me, which is awesome, and, and I love it. And this is my first church was far, far away in upstate New York. So this, you know, I'm back to the church. This will be my first year this Easter. And I'm like, who am I to speak on faith? Like, what you know i i still i think this is the first time ever in my life that i'm really diving deep into the exploration of what it means to be christian for my personal self for my personal life and journey and and i i feel like i'm in many ways i'm starting new there's a lot of things i remember of course and and there's a lot of things i'm having to relearn and re-remember and sometimes i feel a little awkward because I don't remember exactly everything to say. And and so I, I feel a little like, whoop, you know, a little, <laughs> a little awkward, but I love it. I love, you know, I love going to church. I love experiencing and exploring and talking about, and, and talking about faith and being able to connect with people. So this, I created this for myself. I, all, everything I do, I do because I need it because it's important to me, like my, my channel, you know, loving and celebrating men, my YouTube channel, which all the links are down below. I talk about that because it's important to me. My conversation of, you know, I identify as a self-care activist and a self-care advocate and getting clear on that and speaking about their self-care activism is selfish because it's important to me. And it's from that selfishness that I can, that it's the healthy side of selfishness, which is self-care. I'm not talking about self-absorption because quite frankly, a lot of the times I just want to run away and live in a cave <laughs> and hide and not say anything and just pretend like, <laughs> like the world exists far, far away from me. And that's, that's honestly what I mostly want to do is not say anything. But quite frankly, using my voice is so such an important p- 
piece for me and, and an important part of my health and my authenticity and my personal learning and exploration and my celebration of life itself. So yes, and it's taken me a lot of work to get to a place where I feel free to celebrate life and to use my voice. Now, I, I don't say I always feel so free. Like I said, I, I still get nervous a lot of the times, uh, pretty much almost every time I create something, even when I know it's absolutely authentic. And even when I feel that it's right within me and that it's that I'm coming from a space of integrity, even through that, yeah, there, there are times that I, I do. I get nervous. I'm human. I worry about what other people will say. I worry about how I'm going to be judged, if not in the critical thinking type of way, but in the other, in the shadow side of judgment. I do worry about those things. I have been met with those things before, but honestly, I don't obviously worry about it to the point where I let it shut me down. Sometimes I do. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Sometimes I do let it shut me down and I have to process things and then I have to go into my cave of self-care, uh, my intensive self-care unit and, and do whatever I need to do. And, but I always come back. I always return. I always, because this is so important to me because expression is part of, of my health and my freedom and my triumph in my freedom. And I speak about my Me Too healing process and this is it. This is a massive part of it. So I relish in this self-care version of selfishness. And from that, if, if any of this can make a difference to one person or to any part of society where it creates connection, because my, my, the topic is sobriety, faith, love, and my intention is connection. I have to have a clear intention. If I don't, my ego will totally take over and my dis this destructiveness of who I am as a human, which is always there, will take over if I don't have a clear intention. So having a clear intention is always important for me because if not, I'm a control freak. I love to fix things and I don't like the feeling of fixing things, but I have this addiction to fixing things. And so I would want to fix people and tell people who they should be and tell people what a bad person they are and how they should conform to who I want them to be. And that's nuts. That's freaking insane. And I don't want to live my life like that. I spent my pretty much my entire life living my life like that because my her inner child was running the show. And I thought that was that that kind of control and perfectionism was a way of finding my own rooting and rooting myself and feeling safe but just the opposite if i'm coming from a space of control it's it's it it limits my open-heartedness i it's the opposite of safety because i'm still running from that terrified inner child paradigm so if i'm trying to control it's still my inner child wanting to really just you know just take over and tell people you know who they should be. Now that has become, I've been able to make the distinction between that and having healthy boundaries. And that has been a, a wonderful challenge. And it's still a terrifying challenge for me when I have to be clear about my boundaries and set boundaries. And so it's become, a, there's become a, a difference between wanting to control, wanting to be a perfectionist and wanting to fix people. And so now the healthy side of that is now educating and opening my heart with compassion and being with people 
and and being present with people and loving people while also setting healthy boundaries and using my voice because if i what i used to do was go from the extreme of wanting to control fix demand to shutting down completely and not speaking up when boundaries are violated or something is unhealthy in the space or my or if i needed to apologize to people or whatever i need to do but the reality is i had to learn how to use my voice and share boundaries and that's the healthy side of because every every character in the 12 step program they're called character defects but i like how my sponsor calls them character defaults i like that better and so every character default has has its healthy side you know like i said the what what can be a healthier side of instead of controlling like i don't need to demand people to do something but instead i can be an invitation to education an invitation to you know the experiences i have that i can share because i am i'm very open to hearing other people's experiences and i want to hear what other people have to share and i also have a lot to share myself so i've had to learn how to acknowledge that in myself and to acknowledge what i do bring to the table as well and what i can bring to the table as well and so that's been that's been powerful it's been a powerful piece because one of one of them is you know the control and um trying to demand people and you know being highly critical that's been the complete opposite because that's personal and attacking people you are this and blah blah the other one is like okay here's what doesn't work here's here are my needs here's my request and here's what doesn't work and a lot of that is based in the nonviolent communication which i have not studied yet but i've been around a lot of people who study it and my sponsor studies it so she supports me a lot in in finding those ways of being able to express myself and to educate instead of demand and dominate so that's been awesome and it's scary because even still you know being a stand is terrifying it's terrifying because it can be taken as personal even though it's not because it's just being a stand for integrity and it's terrifying to be a stand for integrity because it can be misconstrued as a personal attack when i've worked my my took us off to make sure that when i do come to people that i'm not personally attacking because i love people and i and i love you know i love i love the people i'm around and and it's okay for me to also speak up and set boundaries and use my voice so all of this has been it's it's been quite a journey and using everything that i've learned using all of those tools and other tools as well to be able to bring my voice to the conversation of faith and to do so with an open heart and to do so with integrity and to do so with uh selfishness of self-care and self-love so that i can continue to grow from that basis and my love of others and it's been awesome. It has not been friggin' easy and it won't be easy. It just it won't because life isn't easy. I mean, sometimes it is. There is an ease to simplicity absolutely. And my life, I will say, has gotten I really can't say easier. <laughs> I can't say. I don't know that that's really something to achieve, but I I am able to be present in the moments of ease. I think that's that's a way of saying it because I don't think life ever gets in some aspects it gets easier but life isn't 
really easy. And but but being able to be present to when it is to the to the gems of the moments of ease has been awesome. And I will say that I my body has relaxed more over time and in the authenticity of being honest and true with myself and honest and true with others. And because when I'm honest with myself and I have boundaries and then when I'm honest with others, I don't hold on to resentment. When 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 I when I'm not honest with myself and when I'm not honest with others, I'll harbor resentment. I'll become a martyr. I'll go into woe is me. Nobody cares. Blah blah blah. Well, nobody can care if you don't speak up. Hello. So I speak up now because I do believe people care, and I do believe in my worth, and I do believe that my voice makes a difference and it matters. But when I didn't, I didn't speak up. When I was going from the the transition of just constantly verbally attacking people, and to to you know this space where I am now and continue to grow from now between those two worlds was this shutdown was this silence my voice doesn't matter if I speak up you know people are going to think I'm trying to hurt them or all this other stuff and I had to work through that it doesn't mean that's gone I still have those fears I have all of those fears but now I I trust I trust myself I trust you know higher power to guide me and to love me as I share my heart and, and speak into spaces and, and, you know, be a stand for integrity and love. And that's not personal. It's not a personal attack because I see the integrity and love in every individual. Otherwise I wouldn't be speaking up because if I didn't see integrity and love in individuals, I just wouldn't, I, those would be times when I didn't say anything. Cause I'm like, okay, this is, this isn't, you know, let me just, not be in this space. Let me just leave. This is in a healthy space. But when I see the integrity and love in people, and I, and it's not because I don't believe that everybody has integrity and love. Everybody does. But when people are committed to pretending they don't, that can get very unhealthy and dangerous for me. And I've learned to just keep myself healthy and back away. But when I do see the integrity and love and, and health in people, I speak up because I speak to that integrity and heart in that individual. And 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 from my heart and so and i welcome people to do the same with me what well, if if they feel i have you know if i'm in a space and i show up in a way that doesn't work for the space that's important that type of feedback is important because if i'm holding space for people i need to i need to know that so i'm always open for people to say that to me as well and i it's it's not personal it's it's that's teamwork it's called teamwork and it's growing together as a team and loving and respecting each other enough to to grow together as a team. I, I got growing to do. I got lots of growing to do. I'll grow to the day I die. And so, and and that's a blessing. So here I am speaking on sobriety, faith, and love. I have been sober from alcohol. This is my fifth year. I am very excited about that. I cannot believe I'm here. <laughs> Quite frankly, I, I can't believe I've, I've made it five years. And I honestly, I, I, I don't know how I'm alive. Thank God I'm alive because it's, it's really, it's actually miraculous that I'm alive. I should have been dead so many, so many times over. I am nine years, seven months and 11 days. I have, I have my silver clock open free from drugs. I'm really proud of that. I am 
I am seven years, one month, and 11 days free from acting out as a sex addict. So I'm really proud of that. And I am 10 years, one month, and 11 days sober from, from the sex industry, sex trafficking industry. Seven years, I mean, seven years, sorry. 10 years, one month, and 11 days free from from the sex industry. And so I have a lot of sobriety that I've experienced. I joined the 12-step program about a year ago. Oh, God, has it been two years? No. Wait. Not that year. Yeah, a little over a half, uh, over a year ago. Wow, am I coming over? Oh, yeah, I think I'm going to be a year and a half. I've been in the 12-step program. I am on step 11 right now with my sponsor and yeah so it's it's been it's been a process and i am grateful for the process even though i resent the process many times or you know my inner addict resents the process a lot and so I honestly, I almost didn't make it through the 12-step program a lot of times. I left a couple of times. Oh, I tried to leave. I was like, I'm out. And that didn't, that didn't work. I'm, I'm still in it. And it's made, I'm in the 12-step program for sex addiction. And that has made such a massive difference in my life because I, I, I was free from acting out sexually. I still noticed that there were still parts of me that just felt like they could be addict related. And so I knew that I needed more support. And that's why I joined the 12 step program because I can't see everything on my own. There's just no way. And so, yeah, so that's been extraordinary. The fellowship has been amazing. And I've I'm just so grateful for the 12-step program. I really am. And I didn't realize that there, I was also part of the 12-step program that I'm a part of is also intimacy avoidance, intimacy avoidance. Yeah. So sex addiction, there's two parts to sex addiction. There's the acting out behavior, which is what everybody knows about and what the movies, you know, um, what do you call that? What's that word? exploit yeah so the acting out behavior of sex addicts is what movies exploit and by the way i just want to make make it very clear sex addicts you know in the movies are like oh yeah they want to have a lot of sex no i didn't we don't like having sex like that we don't like it we don't enjoy it we don't enjoy our sex addiction it's it's really it's traumatic it's it's a powerlessness it's not sex because we want to have a lot of sex it's a drive where you can't you have to have it that's what it is to be a sex addict is you have to have the sex and whether you're conscious of it or not and if you don't it just and and so many other things i mean you just destroy your life and it's and it's extremely deadly i'm very lucky to be alive and so it's 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 horrifying to be a sex addict so the things that you see in the movies or the way people treat people who who are sex addicts and because people are just so unaware a lot of people are so unaware of the conversation of sex addiction and don't recognize how dangerous and how much we suffer so people exploit it and it's yeah it's just it's really messed up but anyway so i i came into the i joined the 12-step program and i'm really grateful for it because it's opened my eyes in so many in so many ways i didn't understand but so the other part of sex addiction is sex and 
is intimacy avoidance and sexual avoidance, where sex is bad, sex is, is dangerous. And oftentimes, if someone is coming from acting out like I was, you can go to the other extreme and you become very afraid of sex and very then sex becomes this bad thing. So I didn't recognize that I was going kind of into that realm. So with the intimacy and sexual avoidance, sex um, conversations as well in the 12-step programs, and there's there's tons of those programs out there. So if you're a sex addict, definitely, you know, Google, you'll find some amazing 12-step programs and lots of support. They have in-person meetings, they have online meetings, they have phone meetings sometimes people can't get to in-person meetings or your area may not have many and there's also ways of starting in-person meetings and you can and the 12-step programs are very supportive of that and giving you whatever you need to start your meetings as well so but you do need uh, so anyway anyway you can you can look up that information it's 12-step program has been powerful for my sex addiction so anyway in the conversations of intimacy and sexual avoidance I just just in the entire sex addiction conversations in the 12-step program i found i i was able to heal my relationship with sexuality and see the beauty and health in it with and also with boundaries you know not to conflate my acting out behavior with sexual health which is the predominant conversation and confusion in our society and so that's some of the stuff i'll be talking about as well and as far as love well i mean love is it (laughs) Love is it. And I, I believe that that is the core of, of life and existence and of every human being is love and, and innate innocence. And innocence, I don't believe that innocence can be harmed. I don't believe that innocence can be touched. I believe perception of innocence can be, but innocence is so pure and innate that nothing can harm it. And it's. I believe that our innocence is always waiting for us to remember that it's there and that we can redeem ourselves if we need to, and that we can clean up our messes if we need to. And we're human, so yeah, I'm sure we're gonna need to like all the time. But I do believe in redemption. I believe in redemption is the remembering of what is already there and has always been there and will always be there. So that's what this podcast is gonna be about. And now these podcasts are gonna be twice a month now. I'm going to be making them longer, so they're going to be now twice a month. And thank you for joining me here in on the Vivifier, the podcast on sobriety, faith, and love. And you can find me, meanwhile, on social media. I have a new website. The link will be in my profile here. You can find it. And yeah, I'm very active on, I'm going to make my videos and you can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Facebook, and the conversations of loving and celebrating men. And I also have a page called The Art of Femininity. So there, there's a lot of links. You can find all those links on my website as well. So thank you so much for watching. I mean, <laughs> sorry, I'm used to doing videos. Thank you so much for listening. And and thank you to my patrons for your support. It helps, you know, keep this, it helps with the, uh, the podcast cost so thank you i appreciate that and to all of you who are new here thank you for for joining me do follow here because the people who will be first to know will be you all of my subscribers here 
on SoundCloud, you'll be the first to know when the podcasts come up. So, and subscribe to my YouTube, you'll be the first to know when those videos come up. I just created a feature video, which is about an hour, 30 minutes long. And the feature video is called How Through Loving and Celebrating Men, I Let Go of BDSM. And I welcome you to come check out the video to, yeah, and just, I, I'm just really grateful that, you know, you could be doing any time, anything today and anything with your time, you know, and you spent your time here listening to this podcast. And I am grateful and thank you so much for, for being here. So catch you next time on the Vivifier. We rise, we rise together. <laughs>